ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. Verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger I'd like to begin this evening in our third lecture the series concerning the essay of Al-Imam Ibn Qadama rahimahullah in his book Al-Lum'at Al-Itiqad and the explanation of that book, the Sharh of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymin, Hafidhullah. In the first two lectures, we discussed the biography of Al-Imam ibn Qudama, Rahimahullah, and his writings, uh, his students and teachers and travels. And also, we discussed some basic principles related to the Tawheed, on the aspect of Tawheed, uh, of the names of Allah and His characteristics, Al-Asma wa Sifat. We talked about some of the basic principles related to what is the position that a Muslim should have towards the texts of Quran and Sunnah that contain ayats or hadith identifying the names of Allah or the characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we also talked about some of the basic rules related specifically to the asma of Allah, the names of Allah. What are the rules related to them and some of the rules related to the sifat of Allah, the characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, all of this was an introduction to the book and now uh, this evening, Bismillah Taala, we would like to begin to read the text of the book from the introduction of Al Imam Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah, uh, and the, some of the uh, points that he begins with. Let me just mention to keep things in focus that, uh, contrary to the previous books which we read or discussed or studied the Usul Sunnah of Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah and the Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah of Imam Abu Ja'far Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah this book Lumatul Al-Atiqad primarily or for the most part deals with the topic of Tawheed Asma'illahi wa Sifatihi the Tawheed of the names of Allah and His qualities that Allah is unique and alone in having the right to be named by the perfect names and divine 
qualities that are mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah that he is alone and unique in deserving to be named by these names and described by these characteristics or qualities and that no one else shares with Allah as an equal nor can they be compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these names or characteristics this Tawheed as we said previously <coughs> or this aspect of Tawheed uh, it is perhaps the least known and least understood of the aspects of Tawheed also Tawheed al-Rububiyyah the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He is the Creator and that He is the Sustainer and Provider the one who controls the universe, who gives life and death, etc. This Tawheed was even known to the pagans and disbelievers and most of them confirmed it. Few of the human beings in the earth in history denied that Allah is the Creator. But the problem area for most of the disbelievers and the pagans was in the Tawheed of Uluhiyah, Tawheed Al-Ubudiyah or Tawheed Al-Ibadah, the Tawheed related to the fact that Allah alone has the right to be worshipped. I mean they acknowledge that Allah was the creator by that name, the Arabs did, but they also wanted to associate others with him or give the right of worship to others besides him. This Tawheed is also known to most of the Muslims. It is known even though it is violated by a large number of Muslims all over the earth in various ways by offering various types of worship to others other than Allah, whether grave worship, calling on saints, or whatever it may be. Uh, the ascribing or the attributing or offering of any kind of worship, any act of worship to other than Allah, is a violation of Tawheed al-Ubudiyah or Tawheed of Ibadah, Tawheed of worship. And that Tawheed is well known. As I said, it's well known to most of the Muslims, even if it has been violated uh, and is being violated by many of the Muslims, especially in certain parts of the world, uh, particularly in those areas where the knowledge of Islam uh, yani is corrupted or distorted for various reasons. The Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, as I said, is perhaps the least known and least understood. And for this reason, yani this is one of the reasons why we chose this book, to take some of the details related to Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat. Although in the last section of the book, or the last sections of the book, Al-Nabi Al-Qadama mentions other matters of Aqidah. He mentions other matters, but primarily the first half of the book, or perhaps even more than that, is related to this topic, and that's why uh, the Shaykh uh, Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin, perhaps that may be the reason why he began the book with his own introduction, giving some fundamental principles related to Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat. Imam ibn Qadama, rahimahullah, says in the beginning of the book, the narrator of the book says, Qala Shaykh al-Imam al-Allama, Muwafiq al-Din, Abdullah ibn Ahmed ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi alayhi rahmatullah that the Shaykh, the Imam Muwafiq al-Din that is one of his titles, Muwafiq al-Din Abdullah ibn Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi may Allah have mercy on him begins his book with these words Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim the first point he says praising Allah Alhamdulillah Al-Mahmood Bi kulli lisanin Al-Ma'bood Fi kulli zamanin Al-Ladhi La yakhlu Min ilmihi makan 
ولا يشغله شأن عن شأن جل عن الأشباه والأنداد وتنزه عن الصاحبة والأولاد ونفذ حكمه في جميع العباد لا تمثله العقول بالتفكير ولا توحمه القلوب بالتصوير ليس كمثله شيء وهو السمير بصير يعني he begins with these words that the praise belongs to Allah Alhamdulillah المحمود بكل لسان he is the one who is praised by every tongue يعني Allah سبحانه وتعالى is the one that is praised by every tongue المعبود في كل زمان and he is the one that is worshipped in every place الذي لا يخلو من علمه مكان and he is the one which there is no place there is no place where his knowledge is absent from yeah, I mean he knows what is happening in every place wherever it may be ولا يشغله شأن عن شأن and there is no matter or affair nothing that occupies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that keeps him occupied from attending to something else whatever is happening in the universe Allah is not preoccupied by any of those things Allah is attending to everything and is aware of everything and still he is free because Allah has power over everything and it is easy for Allah Jalla an al-ashbah wal andad and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is raised high above uh, and he is free from having any thing or anyone to resemble him or to be equal to him or to contest him and he has no equal or contestant or anything that resembles him تَنَزْهَ عَنَ الْأَسْصَاحِبَةِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ and he is also highly exalted and free from anyone attributing to him a partner يعني صاحبة it means a wife a wife and he doesn't have any wife or spouse and he has no children Allah is above this we need to have any wife or children but everything belongs to him and everything is under his power and control and Allah's ruling what Allah decides and rules in any matter it is executed over all of his servants and every kind of creature in the universe is under the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he rules something it is executed over everyone and everything without any exception وَلَا تَمَثَّلُهُ الْعُقُولُ بِالتَّفْكِيرُ وَلَا تَوَحَّمُهُ الْقُلُوبُ بِالتَّصْوِيرُ and also he says here that the intellect or the minds of his creatures cannot make an example for him no matter how much they may reflect or think about the matter they cannot be an example for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no example for him nor can the hearts of the human beings imagine or make any image of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the thinking or the reflection of the heart or the reflection of the intellect it cannot bring an example or an image of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then he says quoting from the Quran the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surah al-shura verse 11 لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ that there is no example or likeness of him in anything وَهُوَ السَّمِيلُ بَعْسِيَةِ 
while he is, in fact, the all-hearing and all-seeing. And as we mentioned on numerous occasions, this ayah, it is a negation of there being any likeness or similarity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, while at the same time, uh, it is a negation of the meaning of likeness to him, and at the same time, it is an affirmation that Allah indeed does have uh, characteristics. And amongst those characteristics is as-sami'ah, the one who is all-hearing, who has perfect hearing, or al the one who has perfect sight. And then he says, Imam Ibn Qudam, rahimahullah, وَلَهُ الْأَسْمَى الْحُسْنَى وَالصِّفَاتِ الْعُلَى And Allah is the one who has the right. He is the owner of the best names and the exalted characteristics. And the best and most perfect of names belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the exalted or highest characteristics or qualities also are the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many mentions from Surah Al-Taha, chapter 20, verses 5 through 7, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ar-Rahman ala al-arsh istawa. That Ar-Rahman, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ascended above Al-Arsh, the throne. لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَمَا تَحْتَ الثَّرَى And Allah also, everything belongs to Him that is in the heavens, and whatever is in the earth, or upon the earth, and whatever is between the heavens and the earth, and whatever is underneath the earth. All of it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِن تَجْهَرْ بِالْقَوْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ أَسِّرَّ وَأَخْفَى And even if someone speaks out loud, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who knows that which is secret and that which is even more hidden than that which is secret. يعني, it means that Allah hears that which someone says secretly or whispers, as well as that which is less than that. What means Allah knows what we keep as a secret that we don't tell anyone and even يعني, what's more, what's less than that is what is the person thinks about, even the thoughts Allah knows. يعني, whatever it is, whether open or secret, uh, the most secret of secrets, Allah is the knower of everything. His knowledge encompasses everything. And then he says, أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَقَهَرَ كُلَّ مَخْلُوكٍ عِزَّةً وَحُكْمًا وَوَسَعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ رَحْمَةً وَعِلْمًا يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِهِ عِلْمًا That the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses everything. It encompasses everything. And this is one of the great attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has knowledge of everything. His knowledge is perfect. And also Allah's power. His izzah, His greatness and His ruling is over every one of his creatures. There is no creature in his universe except that it is subject to the power of Allah or to the glory and greatness of Allah and to that which he has ruled. And also finally he says that the rahmah, the mercy of Allah and the knowledge of Allah and he spreads out over everything. Nothing escapes from Allah's mercy and Allah's knowledge and then he quotes from the Quran, Surah Al-Taha Chapter 20, verse 110, that Allah knows whatever is before them, His creatures, and whatever is behind them, or that which they sent ahead for themselves and that which they left behind. Allah knows everything. His knowledge encompasses the creatures totally, 
while the creatures do not encompass Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with their knowledge. Finally, he says, in closing his introduction, Anayu ibn Qudam rahimahullah says, Mawsufun bima wasafa bihi nafsuhu fi kitabihi al-azim wa ala lisani nabiyihi al-kareem. Alayhi salatu wassalam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described, he is mawsuf, he is described with that which he has described himself with in his glorious book. Yani Allah is described, how do we describe him? We describe him with that which he described himself with in his book and that which he is described with by on the tongue or the mouth of his prophet, his noble prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the introductory remark of Ibn Qudam, the first point of the book. And here, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, Hafidhullah, mentions first the title of the book, Lum'at al-Atiqad. He says, the explanation of Lum'ah, it is a word in Arabic language which has a number of meanings. It has more than one meaning. The translators of this book have, have translated the title Lum'at al-Atiqad as Radiance of the Faith. Radiance of the faith. But Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that this word lula has many meanings and from amongst those meanings is bulgatu min al-aish yani a portion of what you need for your livelihood, for living in this world, provisions. A portion of it that is sufficient or adequate. An adequate portion of what you need for your livelihood. This is one of the meanings of lula. And he said that this meaning of the meanings that are applicable to this word, that this meaning is the most suitable and appropriate for the topic of this book. And the meaning here would mean, Lumat al it would mean here a portion that is sufficient or adequate that a Muslim needs to know of the correct Islamic beliefs. Yani, this book is a portion that is adequate for someone to have correct Islamic beliefs as those beliefs were understood by the early generations of the Muslims As for Al-I'tiqad the Shaykh says that Al-I'tiqad is an idea or a thought or a principle that one has in their mind which they are certain about that they are certain about there is no doubt about it and if that idea that they are certain about in their mind or that they, the idea that they hold on to in their mind if it is in agreement with the reality the reality of the existence if what they believe is in agreement with the reality then it is aqeedah sahiha it is correct aqeedah and if it is contrary to the reality then it is aqeedah fasida or incorrect, false belief the meaning of this statement is that some people have aqidah, they have a belief that they are certain about. But in reality, their belief is contrary. If you examine their belief, it's contrary to the reality. Like, for example, the Christians believe that uh, there are three gods in one. In their heart, they, are, they have a firm belief that their aqidah is that there are three gods in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But if you compare their belief to the reality, then you will find that it's false. 
because it's not a material reality. There's only one God who is the creator of the heaven and earth who has the right to be worshipped. Therefore, that belief, though they believe in it firmly, but it's not an agreement with reality. Therefore, it's a false belief. It is aqidah, but it is aqidah fasida, false belief. Whereas the belief of the Muslims that there's only one God who created the heavens and the earth, one supreme being that deserves to be worshipped, this, if it is compared to the reality, then we come to know, by looking at the universe and the signs in the universe and the signs in ourselves, we come to know that there is only one creator that deserves to be worshipped, therefore it is aqidah, sahihah or correct belief. Sheikh Muhammad says that this introduction of Al-Imam ibn Qadamah, the introduction to his book, it contains a number of points. From amongst them, is that he begins with the Basmala. He begins his book with the saying Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. And this is in following with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins his book with Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. And it is also in accordance with the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam to begin with Bismillah. The meaning of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, he says, the meaning of it is that I begin or I do this thing, أَفْعَلُوا أَشَيَا مُسْتَعِينًا وَمُتَبَرِّكًا بِكُلِّ إِسْمٍ مِنْ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى That I begin, whatever I begin with the name of Allah, I begin it seeking help. Yani by mentioning the name of Allah, it means that you are doing it with help from Allah, you're asking Allah for His help and also seeking Allah's barakah, the blessing, the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what you are doing. Saying Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim it is seeking the help and seeking the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every name from the names of Allah. Yani because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this name Allah, the love of Jalala, this name encompasses, and it is the greatest name of Allah encompassing the other names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim it means that I begin with the name of Allah, who is described, that Allah is described with Ar-Rahmah Al-Wafiyah with يعني, all-encompassing Rahmah Allah's Rahmah, His mercy encompasses everything then he says the meaning of Allah it is the one Al-Ma'bud Hubban wa Ta'zeeman it is the one who is worshipped loving Him and glorifying Him or acknowledging His greatness and His glory the one who is worshipped while loving him and acknowledging his greatness and his glory. Ar-Rahman, it means the one who possesses the all-encompassing mercy. Ar-Rahman means the one who possesses the all-encompassing mercy. And Ar-Rahim, it means the one whose mercy reaches everything in his creation. The one whose mercy reaches and affects uh, everything in his creation. And the difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim is that the first of them, Ar-Rahman, it is in consideration of Ar-Rahmah, mercy, as a characteristic of Allah, as a sifa of Allah, as a characteristic. While the second of them, Ar-Rahim, it is in consideration of the Rahmah as an action, an action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani in that he, uh, he has mercy on his creatures. It is an action that affects the creatures, whereas the first of them is a description of Allah. One is a sifa, and the other one is his action of spreading his mercy throughout the creation. Then he says, uh, the second part of his statement in the introduction, 
الحمد 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 لله المحمود بكل لسان الحمد يساد it means praising Allah by mentioning his perfect characteristics يعني it is mentioning Allah by his perfect characteristics and his praiseworthy actions Alhamdulillah it means to mention Allah with his perfect and complete characteristics and his praiseworthy actions while loving him and glorifying him this is the meaning of Alhamdulillah Al-Mahmud bi kulli lisan he said it means that Allah is the one who is praised on every tongue Al-Ma'bud bi kulli makan uh, these two expressions came together that Allah is worshipped in every place he said that it means that Allah is the one who deserves to be praised on every tongue though all of the people are not praising him the captives may not be praising him but Al-Mahmud bi kulli lisan it means that he is the one who deserves to be praised by every tongue and he is the one who deserves to be worshipped and who it is permissible to worship in every place and in every place in the earth except that which has been and he mentioned specifically in the Sharia and in the places where Allah should not be worshipped and for example in the place where one relieves himself but otherwise in general the meaning here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who deserves to be praised by everyone and who it is permissible to worship in every place then he mentions the saying الذي لا يخلو من علمه مكانا that he is the one whose knowledge is all encompassing such that there is no place where Allah does not have knowledge of there is nothing that is happening in any place except that Allah has knowledge of it ولا يشغله شأنا عن شأنا it means that Allah's power and his ability is perfect and all encompassing his power and ability is perfect and there is no defect, there is no shortcoming there is nothing that Allah doesn't have the ability to do or there is no place or thing that Allah's power is not over it is all encompassing to the extent that nothing that he rules over causes him to be occupied from ruling over anything else when he said that Allah's greatness and his glory and his exaltedness is such that جل عن الأشباء والأنداد that Allah He is glorified and exalted to the extent that it is not permissible that anyone should be compared to Him or considered to be equal to Him or similar or like Him and this is because of His perfect characteristics His characteristics are perfect in every way therefore how can anything be similar to Him like him or equal to him تنزهه وتقدسه عن كل زوجة وولد وذلك لكمال غناء يعني also he said that Allah is the one who is free from every from having a wife or children and this is also because Allah in his perfection is free of need of anyone or anything Allah doesn't have a need of a partner to reproduce or to create and Allah doesn't have a need of children to help him or to support him Allah is free of need of anyone or anything 
ونفذ حكمه في جميع العباد and his ruling or judgments are executed over all of his creatures this is an indication of the perfection of Allah's irada and his sultan that Allah's will and Allah's authority is complete and perfect over everything whatever he has decreed from his creatures of whatever type it will be executed nothing can delay it or advance it or change it, alter it, transform it in any way no power nor any number of people or wealth that they possess can change what Allah has decreed his decree and his ruling and his will is executed as he decided it to be when he says that Allah's greatness is above the imagination of the creatures to the extent that the intellect is not capable of bringing an example to describe Allah by nor the heart or the inner beings of the human beings or creatures able to imagine any image for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is because Allah as Al-Imam Ibn Qudana says because Allah as he mentioned concerning himself in Surah Al-Shura that there is nothing similar or like him but he is the all-hearing and all-seeing here the shaykh mentions also concerning the introduction of Al-Imam Ibn Qudama that means that Allah is alone and unique in having the exclusive right to be named by the Asma al-Husna, the good names and the exalted characteristics that have been described by in this Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he mentioned the ayat al-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ascended above his throne and this ascension it means his highness or exaltedness and being established above his throne in a way that is suitable and appropriate to his majesty and his glory وَلَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَمَا تَحْتَ الثَّرَى This means that the sovereignty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is over the heavens in general and the earth and whatever is between them and whatever is underneath the earth that Allah's sovereignty is over everything there is nothing outside of the sovereignty or the rulership of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and lastly he mentions Allah's the, the comprehensiveness of Allah's knowledge and his knowledge is all encompassing and that his power or authority also is ruling over everything uh, while none of his creatures or nothing in the creation can encompass him by their knowledge and this is due to the effectiveness or the imperfection of the abilities of awareness or knowledge of the creatures it's imperfect and not capable of encompassing the perfect characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves yani what Allah is deserving of the human intellect is not capable of encompassing that or knowing it in its totality uh, or to the extent that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves this is the introduction the, first, the second point of Imam Ibn Qudama is concerning the position 
that Muslims should have concerning the ayats of Quran and the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that are related to the characteristics of Allah. That our position should be willing submission and total acceptance. Willing submission and total acceptance of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about himself in the Quran was that which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa has reported to us from Allah by revelation if it has been recorded by authentic hadith and we should accept it willingly without opposition or question. Here Al-Imam Ibn Qudam says وَكُلُّ مَا جَاءَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ أَوْ صَحَّ عَلَى الْمُسْتَفَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ مِنْ صِفَاتِ الرَّحْمَانِ وَجَبَ الْإِمَانِ بِهِ وَتَلَقِّهِ بِالتَّسْلِيمِ وَالْقُبُورِ وَتَرْكَ التَّعَرُّدِ لَهُ بِالرَّدِّ وَالتَّعَوِيلِ وَالتَّشْبِيهِ وَالتَّمْثِيلِ That all of what has been reported to us in the Qur'an and whatever has been authentically reported from Al-Mustafa, that is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, concerning the characteristics of Ar-Rahman, the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is obligatory on us to believe in them. It is wajib for us to believe in it, to have iman. And whatever came in the Qur'an, and whatever came in the authentic sunnah, no one has a right to reject any of it. It's obligatory, it's mandatory for us to accept it, to believe in it. To believe in it and also to accept it with willing submission and total acceptance. Yani we receive it from the Quran or from authentic Sunnah with willing submission and total acceptance. And we should avoid a ta'arrud lahu. Yani opening up these matters that came in the Quran and Sunnah, we should avoid exposing it or opening it up to ar-rad, a ta'wil, a tashbih, and a tamthil. Four things Imam Ibn Khudama mentions here. Arrad, it means to absolutely reject it. And we don't have the right to absolutely reject, and to outright reject any sifa, any characteristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned by himself in the Quran, we don't have the right to reject it. And for someone to say, I don't accept that. Not only that, but a ta'wil, to give it a false interpretation. To give it a false interpretation. And explaining it in a way other than the way that it is understood. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious meaning, or that which was explained by the Prophet ﷺ, understood by his companions, to give it false interpretation, or tashbih, to make resemblance, to resemble any of the characteristics of Allah, to anything in the creation, to any of his creatures, to give resemblance, to say that any characteristic of Allah is similar to a characteristic of the human being, such as saying that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and he said in the Quran that he has hands, for us to say that his hands are similar to the hands of any creature, human or otherwise. This is also prohibited, as well as a tamthil to give an example. To give an example and say that this is an example of how any of the characteristics of Allah are. That this is an example for you. You want to know how is this characteristic of Allah? I'll give you an example for it. To make an example for it is also, and a specific example is prohibited, as well as a general comparison. All of this is prohibited. وَمَا أُشْكِلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ وَجَبَ إِثْبَاتُهُ لَغْضًا وَتَرْكُ التعرض لِمَا أَنَاهُ وَنَرُدُّ عِلْمَهُ إِلَى قَائِلِهِ وَنَجْعَلُ أُهْدَتَهُ عَلَى نَاقِلِهِ اتِّبَاعًا لِطَرِيقٍ 
الراسخين في العلم الذين اثنى الله عليهم في كتاب المبين بقوله سبحانه وتعالى الراسخون في العلم يقولون امنا به كل من عند ربنا. Here Imam Ibn Qudama says the general rule concerning the characteristics of mention of Quran and Sunnah is that we believe in it and we accept it and we submit to it completely and willingly. And we do not open it up for any of these matters such as rejection, false explanation, comparison or making examples for it. As for those things that were narrated in the Quran, وَمَا أُشْكِلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ يعني if there is something that is difficult for us to understand of the ayahs or hadith that came to us it's not easy for us to understand maybe anyone, some person read it and doesn't understand it's confusing to them or not clear in that case he said it is obligatory وَجَبَ إِثْبَاتُهُ لَفْضًا it is obligatory to confirm it the expression that came in the Quran or Sunnah to confirm it as being true if it came in the Quran or in the Sunnah we confirm it we cannot deny it even if we don't understand it and we should avoid uh, trying to يعني, open up the matter of discussing its meaning when we are not sure what it means if anyone is unsure about what it means not clear to them then don't discuss its meaning don't open it up for discussion, debate investigation, let's try to figure it out by our intellects. Whoever doesn't understand it, then he said, نَرُدُّ إِلْمَهُ إِلَى قَائِلِهِ وَنَجْعَلُ أُحْدَتَهُ عَلَى نَاقِلِهِ In that case, that thing that we are not sure about, we don't understand, we refer it back, the knowledge of that thing, to the one who said it. That is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah has knowledge of it. As Imam Tahawi, rahimahullah, said in his book, Al-Aqeel Tahawiyya, about those things that ishtabaha alayna naqool Allahu a'lamu whatever is unclear to us we say Allah knows best we don't deny it we don't give it false interpretation we say Allahu a'lam and as the companions of the Prophet sallallahu many times he asked them something they didn't know the answer or they were unsure even some things that they may have known but when he asked them they thought perhaps he means something else and we are not sure rather than to guess they said Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lamu they referred it back to the one who knows, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger who he revealed the Qur'an to and gave the explanation of it to. So those things that we are not sure about, we refer the knowledge of that back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we entrust it with the one who is responsible for it, that is the messenger of Allah sallallahu who transmitted it to us, the one who carried it to us. And this is, this position or this posture, it is in following the way of the rasikhina fil ilm those people who are firmly grounded in knowledge this is their way this is their way whatever they don't know they refer back to the one who knows that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the way of the rasikhina fil ilm who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prays in his clear book with his saying وَالْرَاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا that those who are firmly grounded in knowledge Concerning those things that came in the Qur'an, the muhkamat and the mutashabiha. Those things that came in the Qur'an which were very clear, those ayats in the Qur'an that are very clear, muhkam, and those ayats that the meaning of it, it could have more than one possibility. Those who don't know, those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, concerning those things they said, آمِنَّا bi, We believe in it. كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا All of it is from our Lord. As long as it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if 
It's not clear to us. We believe in it. We affirm our belief in it. It is wajib. A big chance to believe in it. We believe in it. And we say that all of it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if it is all from Allah, then there's no doubt about any of it. It is all truth. Even if, due to our own shortcoming, we do not understand or we are uncertain about its meaning. Then he says, Al-Imam Ibn Khudam rahimahullah says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, or the Shaykh says uh, here, this is part of the statement of Ibn Khudam now, he says here that uh, this saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani praising those who are firmly grounded in knowledge that their position concerning these things which may be unclear, not being perfectly clear to them, they say they affirm their belief in it and they say that it is all from Allah. Then he said that Allah blames those who seek to re-explain or to falsely explain the mutashabi, those things which are not completely clear or which could have more than one possible meaning in his revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blamed those who seek to give false interpretation to those things that came in the revelation which are not completely clear to them. And he said, subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغُونَ But as for those who have in their heart زَيْغ يعني they have the inclination to deviate, to go astray, who have a sickness in their heart, فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَبَّهَ مِنْ They follow that which is unclear, which is not perfectly clear, that which has the possibility of having more than one meaning. They seek those things. The people who have sickness in their heart, they seek them. Ibtila al-fitna, seeking to make confusion and discord and fitna. They seek out those things that could have more than one meaning in order to cause fitna or discord or confusion. Wabtila ta'awilihi, and seeking to explain its hidden meanings or those meanings which are not clear to everyone. وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَعْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ But no one knows that ta'wil or the hidden meanings of those things except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani those things uh, which may have more than one meaning, no one knows it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or, not only that, but also some of those things, yani if it is referring to the understanding of the things that are necessary for the being, then the scholars, some of the scholars, if not all of them, some of them would know the meaning of it. Those things that are necessary for the Muslims in their daily life. And there may be some things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell about the history of the past nations or something about the future that may not be completely known. It may be known only to Allah or it may refer to the reality or the how of the sifat of Allah. I mean, how does Allah descend in the last third of the night? Or how does Allah ascend above his throne? Or how does Allah speak? How is it? The how of it, that's something that may only be known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah made those who seek the false interpretation of those things which are not completely clear, He made that as a sign. The people seeking that which is not completely clear, going after it, He made that as a sign or an indication of those who have a sickness in their heart. And if those who always go after the unclear things, to try to give interpretations to them, this is a sign of sickness. It is a, a sign of disease. And Allah compared it or joined it with those who seek fitna. And He made the people who seek the unclear matters 
he joined it with those who seek fitna and those who seek to explain the unclear matters. He put them together, blaming those who have these characteristics. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, closed the way for them, for, for that which they hoped. Yani they hoped to give an interpretation to something to mislead the people or to cause deviation, but Allah closed the way. Because Allah ended that ayah by saying, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَعْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ But no one knows its explanation except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when those people came seeking those matters which are not completely clear, to give their own interpretation, to cause deviation and lead people astray, the way was really closed against them. Because Allah said no one knows its hidden meaning except Allah. So therefore those people, they will be cut off. If we were just and you look to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then we wouldn't believe their false interpretations of those things we would reject them and we wouldn't be exposed to deviation from those people who want to mislead the believers uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also closed off the way to them achieving their desires he closed the way to them achieving their desires and he closed uh, the way for them achieving that which they hoped, I mean, they hoped to mislead and deceive the people. Perhaps we will come back to this, Allahu A'lam, if there is time. But the Shaykh mentions here three important things that we need to discuss this evening concerning this topic. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sali al Uthaymeen, he says that. <coughs> The text, the nusus of sifat, the text, yani the verses of Quran or hadith of the Prophet concerning the sifat or the characteristics of Allah are divided into two divisions. And the tariqa, and the way of the people, the, the roads that the people have traveled in reference to the text concerning the characteristics of Allah are also two roads. There are two roads. Some people followed this way and some people followed that way. So that the texts are divided into two divisions. There are two types of texts referring to the sifat of Allah and the way that the people understood them are also, there are two ways. The division of the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah that have reported to us characteristics of Allah are in two divisions. Wadih, Jali, that which is very clear, crystal clear. Those ayats or hadith that came the meaning of them is crystal clear. There is no doubt about what they mean. That's one type. The other division, al-mushkil, khafi, that which is difficult to understand. And its meaning is very, yani, fine. It has fine meanings that not everyone can understand or know or be able to. It means that text whose expression and meaning is clear. The wording, the wording of the ayah or hadith, as well as the meaning of it, is crystal clear. There's no doubt about it. It has the possibility of having two or more meanings. It only has one meaning, nobody can discuss it. It's easy. It's easy for everyone to see and understand. In that case, this type, it is obligatory on us to believe in it. To believe in that expression as it came, and to confirm its meaning in totality. To confirm the meaning of it completely with all of its rights, without making rod, rejection, outright rejection, nor making ta'wil, any re-explanation or reinterpretation, nor making tashbih, comparison between Allah and that characteristic and His creatures, 
nor making tamseel or giving examples examples that uh, they use to explain what is the meaning of that characteristic they give an example of something to give it a new meaning other than the clear meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended uh, we believe in it and we confirm its meaning just as it is without any reinterpretation or otherwise because the shara that is the, the revelation the Quran and Sunnah reported it to us therefore it is obligatory on us to believe in it and to accept it with total exception and full submission and for the other type of text the mushkil that which is difficult to understand the khafi that which is fine and not easily understood by everyone it is the one whose meaning has a broad meaning which might include more than one or it might allow for more than one understanding of it and it is an expression that might allow for more than one understanding you might understand it one way you might understand it another way it's possible in the, in the Arabic language that it could mean this and it could mean that this is the mushkil because that expression could possibly have more than one meaning then sometimes it may be difficult to know its meaning or another cause for it to be under this category is to the lack of understanding of the one who is reading it perhaps the people who are reading it don't understand it due to their lack of knowledge or their lack of understanding that expression or that characteristic it comes under the category of mushkil or that which is difficult to understand because the people their knowledge is limited or their understanding is defective therefore they cannot understand it because of their own selves not because of the expression itself in that case in the case of the mushkil or that which is difficult to understand or could possibly have more than one meaning then it is obligatory to confirm the expression since it has been reported to us in the revelation since it came to us by revelation it is obligatory to confirm the expression the wording as it came in the text and as for its meaning since we are unsure about it then we stop without explaining its meaning we don't use our intellect and say I think perhaps it means this or that but we stop there and we don't open it up for searching and delving into it to try to investigate and intellectually examine what might be its possible meaning uh, <clears throat> because this is one of those things if they are difficult to understand it's not right for us to make a final determination but we refer those things back to the one who has knowledge of it that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these are the two types of texts that came in the Quran and Sunnah concerning as-sifat that which is crystal clear and that which has the possibility of having more than one meaning that which is crystal clear we affirm its text and its meaning without any interpretation or otherwise and that which has the possibility of having more than one meaning we confirm its text we don't deny it we confirm it as Allah revealed it in the Quran or as the Prophet ﷺ explained it in authentic hadith as for its meaning we don't give it an explanation if we don't know then we say Allah knows best we don't know we don't deny it we just say Allah knows best about that which we are unsure about as for the way of the people in dealing with those texts that came in the Quran and Sunnah concerning the characteristics of Allah there are two ways the first way is the way of those who are firmly grounded in knowledge and the second way is 
that is those who have an inclination to deviate. There are two ways, the way of those who are firmly grounded in knowledge and the way of those who have the inclination to deviation. The first way, the way of the Rasikhin of ilm or the Rasikhun of ilm those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, uh, who say that, who proclaim and confess that they have iman or belief in the muhkam, that which is clear and doesn't have the possibility of having more than one meaning, as well as the mutashabih, that which is not completely clear and which could have possibly more than one meaning. They confirm the iman in both of them. And they say, as Allah said in the Quran, Kullun min indi Rabbina, all of it is from our Lord, meaning that all of it is from Allah, therefore it is all truthful, none of it can be denied. And they avoid delving into or opening up the matter for investigation of those things which they don't have knowledge of or those things which they cannot fully understand. They avoid opening those things up for investigation and intellectual uh, examination. And this is out of respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah. And it is the way in which the Muslim or the Mu'min shows respect for the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And in that which we don't know about, we don't take it lightly and start giving our own interpretations. But in respect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and respect of revelation, then we avoid opening those things up for interpretation. These people who follow this way, they are those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised in his saying in Surah Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 7, fil ilm, those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, they say we believe in it, all of it is from our Lord. The second way of the people of dealing with the text of Sifat is Tariqatul Za'irin, the way of those who have inclination to deviate, those who seek after following the Mutashabi, those things which are not completely clear. And they are doing so seeking al fitna, seeking to cause confusion and to make, I mean, uh, uh, open the way for people to go astray and to close the way from the people following the deen as it should be and from following the way of the Salaf al-Sali, the righteous predecessors, those who came before us that means following the way of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een and those who came after them, their students, the Tabi'un and their students, Udba Tabi'in and so on these people who want to close the way, the correct way and they want to make trouble for the people, they try to give their interpretation to those mutashabi, unclear matters which are not really clear or not crystal clear, they try to interpret it to the meaning that they want, not to the meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam intended. They try to reinterpret it in such a way that they will make it have the meaning that they want it to mean. And they use some of the texts of Quran and Sunnah against other texts. Yani they try to take one text and, and make it conflict with the text that is unclear to reinterpret it. To reinterpret it in the way that they want to or to the way that they want it to mean. And they try to attack the indications or those things which we understand from the text of the Mutashabiha. They try to show that there is some contradiction in the text of the Quran or in the Sunnah whether there is some defect in it in order to cause doubt in the Muslims 
and in order to lead the people astray from their guidance. These are those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blamed. They blamed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blamed them in his words in the same surah, surah al in the same ayah, chapter 3, verse 7, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ As for those who have deviation or inclination to deviation in the heart, فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَبَّهَ مِنْهِ They seek after and follow that which is not completely clear, or that which has the possibility of having more than one meaning from those ayahs in the Qur'an, ابْتِغَى الْفِتْنَى Seeking confusion or fitna and seeking to give their own interpretations, false interpretations but no one knows its real interpretation except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymeen makes his final statement concerning these texts the texts of Quran and Sunnah that relate to the sifat of Allah in reference to them being clear or unclear. And he says that this matter of something being clear or unclear in the legal text of the Qur'an and Sunnah is a relative matter. Yeah, and something being clear or unclear is relative. It's relative. It's not an absolute matter. That some things are clear to everyone and unclear to everyone. It's relative. That means that the people differ according to their knowledge and their understanding. Yani what may be unclear to one person may be perfectly clear to another. The person who has no knowledge may be unclear to them. And the alam who has knowledge is clear to him. So clarity and lack of clarity is relative to the knowledge and the understanding of the people. Uh, therefore, whenever there is something that is unclear to us, it is obligatory on us to follow that way which has been previously mentioned that is we should avoid delving into those matters and making confusion in trying to interpret the meanings of those things that any one of us as an individual due to our lack of knowledge or lack of understanding finds it difficult to understand or unclear what we should do we should avoid opening it up for investigation and discussion but we leave it and refer back to those who know this is in reference to clarity and unclarity, the Shaykh says that it is relative. It is relative. It is not something absolute. Because what is unclear to some may be crystal clear to others. As for the reality or the absolute reality of the legal text, the revelation of Quran and Sunnah, the reality of it is that none of it is unclear. It may be unclear relatively to some people, but in, in the end of it all, the essence of it is that it is all clear. Alhamdulillah, he said that there is nothing that is mushkil, difficult to the extent that no one of the people could know its meaning. There is nothing in the Qur'an related to the matters that we need for our life in this world and the next life. There is nothing that Allah revealed in the Qur'an that we are in need of for worshipping Him and living our life properly in this world. That cannot be understood by anyone. If it is not understood by one, it may be understood by another. And that's why when some of the scholars made mistakes in some things, their understanding in the Quran and Sunnah, other scholars came behind them and corrected them. What wasn't understood by one, it was understood by another. Because Allah revealed the Quran for it to be a guidance for us. Therefore, whatever is in it, it has to be possible to be understood by some of the people. And the ranks of the people in knowledge and understanding is by Allah's favor. Is by Allah's favor. He favors whoever He wills and gives them knowledge and understanding accordingly.
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the Qur'an with such descriptions as Nurul Mubeen, that it is a clear light. The Qur'an is a clear, crystal clear light. It is a clarification for the people. Yeah, and it is to clarify how we are to live in this world and how to earn Allah's pleasure, how to worship Him. Al-Furqan. It is a Furqan or a criterion to judge between right and wrong. It has to be understood. How can it be a criterion? How can it yeah, and judge for us what is right and wrong if it cannot be understood? And he also said that it has been sent down or revealed as a clarification of everything. Yani the Qur'an contains the clarification of all matters. Not necessary for the people in this world in the next life. And it is a huda wa rahma. It is a guidance and it is a mercy. All of these characteristics and others similar to that require that the text of the Qur'an and as well the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu that it in its ultimate reality is not something that's impossible to understand, but it can be understood. It is not something that cannot be understood by anyone of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu but there will also be there will always be some of the scholars who can understand it. Finally, the Shaykh gives the definition of these terms, which we, which uh, uh, which Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah mentions in the introduction, arad and ta'wil and tashbih and tanfil. He explains these terms, the meaning of them, and the hukum, or the ruling related to each of them. What is the meaning of each of them, and what is the ruling of the person who engages in any one of these things? The first of them is arrad, or absolute rejection. The second of them is ta'wil, or false interpretation. The third of them is uh, a tashbih, or making comparison between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's characteristics and the characteristics of His creatures. And the fourth of them is a tanfil, or giving an example. He says, Arad, it means takzeeb wa inkar. It means to deny or to consider something as a lie. An example of this is that someone says that Allah doesn't have a hand, not in reality nor figuratively. This to absolutely reject a text that came in the Quran concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that it's not in reality nor is it figurative and to reject it totally. And some people said Allah is a hand, but it's not really like a hand, but it has another meaning. But those who outright reject it totally, and this is kufr. Because it is denying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, denying the words of the Prophet The second of them is ta'wil. That means explanation or interpretation, and the intended meaning here is uh, explanation of the text related to the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an explanation or interpretation that is other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa intended by that text. Then interpret it in a way other than what Allah intended or other than what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa intended uh, and in contradiction to what has been explained to us by the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and those who came after them. This ta'wee is of three types or the ruling concerning it, concerning it is three. The first ruling is the one who makes an interpretation due to ijtihad. And he made ijtihad with a good intention. He, he meant well. And he made ijtihad but he fell short and he made a mistake. Mistakenly. He made an interpretation by mistake through his ijtihad, though he is well meaning. To the extent that if somebody brought to him the truth, he would have turned back from his false interpretation when the truth came to him and accepted the truth. And if that person, he is excused for that ta'wil. He is excused because it's an honest mistake. And when the truth came to him, he accepted it. This person is excused. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
says in the Quran, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعة that Allah doesn't hold anyone responsible except according to their ability. He made, to the best of his ability, he interpreted it, and he made error, but when the truth came to him, he rejected his error and came to the truth. The second possibility is the person who makes such an interpretation due to following their desires and fanaticism of following a certain way or party or group. That interpretation that he gave, okay, inshallah, just uh, let's take a moment to listen to the Adhan, and then inshallah, just complete this last point. Uh, we said that the Shaykh here is explaining the four types of deviation concerning the Sifat of Allah. The first one is absolute rejection, the second of them is Ta'wil, and Ta'wil is false interpretation. We said that the first type is the person who makes an honest ijtihad with sincere intention, and if the truth came to him, he rejected it and turned back from his error. That one is excuse or pardon for such a mistake. The second of them is the person who makes a false interpretation based on following his desires. Though that interpretation is possible according to Arabic language, yani the explanation that he gives does have a possibility in Arabic language that it could be understood in that way. Though it is not the correct understanding, but linguistically it's possible that it could have that meaning. That person who makes a false interpretation based on an understanding or a meaning that's possible for that expression in the Arabic language, then this is considered fisq or disobedience. It is considered disobedience. Because he interpreted it in a way that's possible, but it's really wrong. And the reason why he interpreted it in that way is because he was following his desires. He wanted to explain it in a way that was suitable to him. So he looked for something that was legitimate in the Arabic language and explained it in that way knowing that it was really not true. This is fisq. It is an act, a sinful act or an act of disobedience. And it is not kufr. It is not considered to be kufr. Like the one who outright rejects the text that came in the Quran and Sunnah. Unless, unless, that interpretation which he gave contains a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with some defect or shortcoming. Yani if it is an explanation that ascribes to Allah a defect or shortcoming, then in that case, ascribing to Allah a defect or shortcoming, then this is kufr. It is kufr. The third division, or the third possibility of interpretation or ta'wil, the third uh, possibility of ta'wil is the person who makes an interpretation based on their desires. or their own inclination to that meaning while the interpretation which they give has no possibility in the Arabic language and it's not possible in the Arabic language that the interpretation they gave could be applicable to that expression that came in the Quran or in the Sunnah this type of false interpretation is kufr because in reality explaining a sifr or characteristic of Allah in a way that has no possibility in the Arabic language is in reality rejection or denial of that which Allah revealed. Therefore this is kufr. This is in, in reference to ta'wil and false interpretation. One of them is excusable, the one who makes honest uh, ijtihad but makes a mistake. The second of them, it is sinful to interpret it in a way that's possible in the Arabic language but it's incorrect. 
due to one following their own desires, and the third of them is interpret, interpreting the sifat of Allah or the ayat in the Quran or hadith in a way that has no possibility in the Arabic language, and this is denial of the text that Allah revealed or the explanation of the Prophet وسلم, which is disbelief. The third uh, error or mistake in, the, in reference to the sifat of Allah is a tashbih. A tashbih means to make comparison or to confirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there being someone or something similar to who? Similar to him, I mean something similar to him in those things that are exclusive of the rights of Allah or the characteristics of Allah. And those rights or characteristics which are exclusive to Allah to say that someone or something is similar to Allah in one of those rights or in one of those characteristics this is tashbih and this is kufr because it is shirk it is shirk to say that someone or something is similar to Allah and his rights that are exclusive for him that means you are making them a partner with Allah in that right or in that characteristic that is exclusive for him and therefore this is shirk and it is uh, attributing a defect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by comparing him to the imperfect creature Yani any creature that you compare, him to, compare Allah to is imperfect. Therefore, making a comparison between Allah and that creature which is imperfect is attributing to Allah imperfection. And this is an act of kufr. The last of them is tamthil. It is affirming that there is someone or something that can be used as an example for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is an example that you claim is, yani, an example for Allah in that thing which is exclusive for Allah if you make any example for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by anything in the creation then this also is prohibited and it is kufr because it is associating something with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is an outright negation it is negation of the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laysa kamithlin shayun Allah said that there is no missile there is nothing like him whoever tries to make an example for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are denying his clear statement. And this also, this such a, a comparison or making an example for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is also attributing to Allah a defect in those things which are the rights of Allah or the characteristics of Allah, because you are making an example for Allah through something, that example, something in the creation, and everything in the creation is defective while Allah alone is perfect. Then the Shaykh closes finally by saying the difference between a tamthil and a tashbih. These last two types of deviation, the difference between a tamthil and a tashbih is that tamthil uh, means that, the, that you are making an example of something which is, which has equality or is equal to Allah in every way. Tamthil means that you make an example and you say that that example is an example of something that is equal to Allah in every way, while tashbih means that you are making a general comparison but not necessarily equal to Allah in every way. Yani tamthil means that that thing which you give an example is equal to Allah in every way whereas tashbih means that you are making a general comparison between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And both of these are prohibited uh, and they are blameworthy and should be avoided. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfirka wa tubalik. This is the end of what we wanted to say today. If there are any comments or corrections or questions um, perhaps we can take two or three minutes before we go to the salat. And inshallah, in the next 
session, we will talk about some of the sayings of some of the early scholars, some of the imams, uh, the well-known imams of the Muslim Ummah, what they said concerning Asma and Sifat, or this, these principles which we have been discussing in these ideas, inshallah, in the next minute we will discuss that in brief. Are any uh, things that we left unclear or something, any comments that anyone wants to make, or any questions? Uh, perhaps the next time we meet, um, we will also try to provide a small yani, essay related to the refutation, the detailed refutation, because last week we discussed in brief three of the general uh, points by which the people who deviated in this matter of Tawhid Ismail Sifat, three general principles that you may refute them or argue against them or show the falsehood of their position by. But there is a more detailed refutation of them. I mean, not a book, but it is I mean, uh, I mean, more detailed than what we discussed last week by Sheikh Saleh al-Fawzan uh, concerning the refutation of people who deviate in this matter. And uh, inshallah, the preparation of that matter it should be finished. And in these days, uh, in the next few days, and we will uh, distribute that so that the yani, matter will be yani, more clear in the evening of the time. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shalom ala ilaha. Sakhruka wa tuburi.